Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Big Screen, your movies review and discussion podcast. I am your only host and critic today, Joshua Tracy, as we are missing the other piece of the puzzle, Corwin Heller. He is uh, indisposed, unavailable, and not around today to get into the two movies that we're talking about. And we wanted to make sure we were consistent. We're in. Um, we want to make sure we get this show out at the time that it usually does, and we want to make sure that we're doing so in our accordance to our schedule to get us ready, um, prepped, and set for the Oscars later this fucking month. Can you believe it, folks? So uh, let's get into it. We're going to be talking about the 2021 film The White Tiger, and then the. Uh, 2020 release news of the world so since again i am riding solo uh i do have some some thoughts from corwin that i'll share uh he's he's like a crazy work life um so he he managed to text me a very brief summary of uh his opinions on the film so I'll, i'll give you those but they're very very short um all right so let let's start with let's start with the the white tiger so, this film came out in 2021. It was written and directed by Raman Barani. Uh, it was based on the book by Aravind Adiga. It is stars Adarsh Gurav, Rajkumar Rao, and Priyanka Chopra. Uh, it will we get an estimated budget. It's a Netflix movie. Uh, we don't. Um, I don't see one. And again, since this is a Netflix movie, we have no box office to speak of so that's that on that i fucking guess um no tagline from the from the looks of it either so this movie barely exists uh yeah okay cool uh anyway we're talking about this movie because it has four oscar nominations this or sorry one oscar nomination god damn it this is nominated for best adapted screenplay for ramen barani uh, that is the only Oscar that it's nominated for. It was nominated for uh, additionally a, a, a second BAFTA award for um, Adarsh Gurav for Best Leading Actor, but that's not for the Academy Awards. Um, this film is about an ambitious Indian driver uses his wit and cunning to escape from poverty and rise to the top, an epic journey based on a New York Times bestseller. Um, I'm just going to let you guys know this is going to be short today since I don't really have anyone to bounce my insanity off of, um, or direct my comments, complaints, and questions to. It's a lot, it's weirder doing it by yourself, so this will probably be a shorter one. You will live with that. It will be fine. We will all live. Um, all right, that said, I think I'm actually going to leave it to Corwin's uh, uh, text to me to give you a, a, a brief introduction or inform the beginning of this conversation about uh, where I stand and clearly where Corwin stands on this. And Corwin's text to me about the White Tiger just says, nah, fuck that movie. And that's about right. This is uh, bad. This is really, really bad. Um, and it's bad because of so many reasons. Um, I'm, I'm shocked this got a Best Writing nomination. Because I think the writing's a fucking mess. I'd, or at least, I don't know what the, what the story is to this movie. And that's, by and large, my problem with it. Because when the main character gives you his overview, like he's writing out an email to the, like, the president of China, which is fucking stupid. 
I don't care if it really happened. Oh my God, it's fucking stupid. And the voiceover is so cliche. I mean, my God. It literally starts with the, the Bollywood version of a record scratch. I bet you're wondering how I ended up here. It basically starts with that. I mean, this movie is straight out of like 2007. It's ridiculous. It's so played out in every single phase. So that's, I didn't mean to make that a point just yet, but that's a huge problem I have with this movie, is that you've seen, you felt, if you watch this, you will feel like you've seen this movie like 9,000 times already, because every trope that this film could possibly employ around its storytelling, it just does. Um, and then again, the storytelling part of it, I was to understand that this is about his the journey of his rise to the top. Uh, the, whatever the top you want to call, uh, an increase in social stature, a... Um, accumulation of money, fucking whatever. And it keeps giving, like, glimpses of these wanted posters because he wanted for murder. And that film's not, the movie's not about that. Like, at all. And I know that sounds ridiculous to say, but it, it it's not. The movie is about him being a bitch. And I don't mean that in, like, a, you know, he's, he's fucking, like, a, a whiny little prick or nothing. No, he's someone else's bitch. He's literally someone else's bitch. He's the servant of somebody else. He, he's he's the bottom bitch of some random dude, uh, wealthy guy in, in India. And that's the whole movie. And I know what you, you know, you might you might be thinking like me, like, you know, because I watch this shit and I'm sitting there thinking, this can't be the whole movie. That's not right. It, it, it's about his rise to the top. We're never going to see the top. You never fuck. It, it, is, it is a two hour long movie. The first hour and 50 minutes is just that. And then the last five to ten minutes, there is a super quick montage showing that after he uh, killed his boss, he did end up starting his own driving company. And then apparently that just like took off because he was like, I care about people. Um, and that, that to me, is the rise to the top. And don't get me wrong, like I understand that there's a different journey that he goes on. And I, I'm sorry, I'm being a little bit dismissive of it in, in some way, I'm sure. But, I mean, goddamn. Like, it, it, it's, that's not what the movie tells you it's about. And so if the movie tells you, this is about my journey of my rise to the top, and instead, this is about my journey through serfdom, basically. I'm, I mean, they're, they're two different things. This movie started off with the idea of like, hey, I'm going to be watching like a Wall Street style movie. And I mean like the movie Wall Street, not like the place. And instead, it's like, what if all the guys from Parasite actually like loved that guy that they were working for and fucking like wanted to just suck his dick? That's this movie. And then eventually realizing at the end, like, ah, no, the rich still suck. I'm going to kill him anyway, like they did in the movie Parasite. And... And you, when when you're watching a movie, when you're seeing a story unfold that isn't exactly, not exactly, but it, but it just doesn't seem like the story you got told would be told. You know, like I told you, this movie's going to be about X. So far, it's been about Y. You're gonna, no matter how interesting that other story is, no matter how interesting Y ends up being, you're still going to be sitting there like, I wonder when X is going to get started. I thought this movie was about X. Oh, this, are they going to, when, when are they going to start talking about X? And this movie just, it just, it just doesn't, it just 
doesn't. Uh, and then it ends. And then I know I'm jumping around a little bit because you know a lot of this, not a lot, but various points during this movie, it talks about how it's, um, you know, it's it's a it's a voiceover about how you know this guy. Like, I really hope I get to meet you, Mister Premier, uh, Mister Mister uh, President of China. Yeah, blah blah blah. A lot of platitudes and bullshit. And and then it ends on him like quote unquote meeting the president of China, which is really just like he like forced his way into the president of China's like security team while he was walking from like the car to the hotel and then he called that a win and oh my god is that just ridiculous now this movie has a bunch of great points in it and a lot of interesting conversations in it and you know the way that wealth can buy your freedom obviously in India and we are used to seeing these stories told about America it's clearly it is significantly to a significantly greater extent in India because of the remnants of the caste system still prevailing still um, prevailing through society there, which, you know, as if, if you if you live in America, you know how hard it is to uh, rid the rid your society of systemic problems uh, from years past. But it doesn't really care about those points at all. At least it doesn't seem to in the movie. I, I mean, because like this guy, uh, what's his character's name? Hold on, I have to get his character's name. Balram. Right? Is that the right actor? God, I don't know anybody's fucking name. Yeah, Balram. Um, he loves his master so much, uh, played by uh, Rajkumar Rao, um, that he just... there There is no internal turmoil much. There's a few brief pauses, like when he signs the paper saying like, ah, yeah, I killed that little kid. Because at some point, they hit a, a child. Um, you, you know, you see it a little, a little bit here and there, you know, there's moments, but God damn, I mean, there, it just, it, it exists. And that's all the movie was trying to say. And, and like, I'm sorry, that's just not a fucking interesting point because we know this shit exists. Uh, uh, who, who cares? You barely see him struggle with his family life. I mean, there, there was almost no point in those scenes even being in the movie because they're so disparate. Uh, Timeline-wise, that it's easy, it's easy to forget the, the the fucking guy left his family back in some um, impoverished village, uh, and and my God, the the whole business with the wife, she didn't even need to be in the fucking movie, and I think she was there to show that this is an extreme, and that someone removed from the circumstances, but still in that level of the caste system, clearly you know finds it to be a moral or immoral uh, uh, and and wrong. But oh my God, she was she was irrelevant. She was fucking irrelevant. Uh, at the end of the day, the, the the movie just wasn't interesting. I, I I just at no point cared what was happening. The dialogue was clunky. The characters were uninteresting, um, and it took forever. It took absolutely forever. And my thing with the just to, to harp on it for a little bit longer before I kind of move on with it, the thing that annoys me about the fact that an hour and 40 minutes of this two-hour-long movie is about the early beginnings of what would eventually be some entrepreneur in India is that that's only part of the story. And if you're telling the story of this man's life, and it sounds like he built a fascinating business that was informed uh, 
on the experience that he had in the earlier part of this film show that and expand on those conversations and show a contrast. Instead of just sending all of it to a monologue, you get one scene where a driver got killed and he goes and... Or a driver killed a guy and... I think actually both things happened it, because that's the thing. They're rushed. It's a, it's, it's, I said monologue. I meant to say, um, uh, fucking montage. Jesus Christ, Josh. Um, and it, it, cause at some point over the course of that hour and 40 minutes, you're going to get it. All right. I get what this is about. Yeah. His bed is disgusting. Yep. Those bu- bed, those bugs are gross. Yep, he's broke. Yep, his uh, shirt is old. Yep, his pants are old. Yep, his boss is still a dick. Yep, uh, the wife left. The wife left. We saw that coming fucking like an hour ago. Um, oh, hey, look at that! Like, every, you, you get it. You get it. That's not the whole story. So why spend eighty-five to ninety percent of the movie talking about it? It had no concept of the fullness of the picture that I think this movie wants to try to paint to you and instead spent its entire time operating like Jacob deGrom and just painting the corners. And it's like, hey, there's still a lot more image left in there that you got to fucking cover that isn't just in the corners. So, this is a mess. This is a mess and I did not enjoy it. Um, I would not recommend this to anybody. I give this a one and a half. It had some fun visuals in it. Not that that really matters, but it did. Um, Corwin didn't give me a star rating, but I'm going to assume he's right around my ballpark on this, since we tend to be pretty close on these things when we agree on a movie, so, oh, yeah, uh, it's on Netflix, and I highly don't recommend watching it, it's, it's just not good, <laughs> uh, it is just not good, um, alright, so, let's move on to news of the world, again, you know, again, like I said, this is going to be shorter, um, I have to like make dinner <laughs> and I don't have my co-host here. So fuck it. You know, we're just moving. I'm glad that Corwin wasn't here for this one because there's just not a lot to say about either of these movies. Uh, all right. So news of the world came out in 2020. This picture got a lot of, uh, early news when Tom Hanks ended up getting COVID while the filming of this movie was taking place. Um, when he was, uh, in Australia at the very beginning of the pandemic, so, anyway, that's this movie, News of the World. It, it was written and directed by Paul Greengrass. Uh, additional writers include Luke Davies, and it was based upon the novel by Paulette Giles. It stars uh, Tom Hanks, Helena Zengel, and Tom Astor. Um, do we have an estimated budget? No, we don't. Um... $38 million. That's what I found. $38 million. Uh, it's got a box office uh, or a cumulative worldwide gross of $12.6 million, uh, which is bad. But again, no movie theaters. This is actually still rentable. This isn't streamable anywhere without paying an additional fee. Uh, so... Um, Um, sorry, I got distracted. Oops. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, all right. Uh, this movie does have a tagline. It is find where you belong. <clears throat> Awful. Fuck out of here. Um, 
This movie is about a... Oh, wait, no. This, so this, we're watching this film because it is nominated for four Oscars. Uh, best Sound for Oliver Tarney, Mike Prestwood-Smith, William Miller, and John Pritchett. Best Achievement in Production Design for David Crank, Elizabeth Keenan. Best Achievement in Music Written for Motion Pictures, Original Score for James Newton Howard. And Best Achievement in Cinematography, which is the award Corwin and I were concerned with, or at least paying attention to, for... Uh, this film, which is Best Achievement in Cinematography for Darius Wolski. Or Wolski. Who's to say? Probably him. Um, oh, and then this movie is about a Civil War veteran agrees to deliver a girl taken by the Kiowa people uh, years ago to her aunt and uncle against her will. They travel hundreds of miles and face grave dangers as they search for a place that neither can call home. Oh my god, this movie's so fucking boring. It's so fucking boring. So fucking boring. I can't say it enough times. It's so fucking boring. Oh. Granted, I just finished watching this right before I started recording. So it is very fresh in my mind how fucking boring it is. But my god, this feels like like you explained to somebody how a Western goes, and they were like, all right, um, let me write something up and I'll give it to you. And then they just made that into a movie. I mean, it's like, it is. it feels like a movie that is in a movie, you know, that people are watching in the movie. It's like, hey, Western! And, like, that's it. Um, Tom Hanks' job is fucking ridiculous. Also, a, a, a small but present gripe. Man, I hate titles. Uh, why is this movie called News of the World? It has nothing... Like, like, I get, I get, I get it, I get it, I get it. Tom Hanks' job is to go town to town and read the news of the world. That has nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> it has nothing to do with this movie. All that is is a vehicle for the reason why he's going from town to town. That's fucking it. And that's not a good enough reason, god damn it. It's a shit title for a shit reason that doesn't mean anything. Anyway, um, fuck, it's so stupid. This is like, this is like if you took all of the, um, fun and intrigue and, uh, emotion out of True Grit. That's this movie. It's, it, it feels so much like it's trying to do True Grit, and it's not. Um, also, this story is stupid. And I don't respect it. Uh, the basic idea is that here's the, the, this white girl Tom Hanks finds at the site of a lynching, which, oh, that never comes up again. Um, Tom Hanks, who is in this movie, a uh, Civil War veteran of the South. <laughs> so Tom Hanks for this movie fought for the side of slavery, uh, since he is a Texan. Um, I guess his accent was bad. Um it seemed to come and go, or at least maybe I was looking for it, but it uh, doesn't matter. It was weird. And he finds this blonde girl who's just, like, there? Why? Um, they said that the the black guy who got lynched was taking her elsewhere? Uh, it's loose reason doesn't matter, really, at the end of the day. And... Tom Hanks brings this girl to this spot, like this, like federal station, in some town, and they're like, "Oh, well, you can uh, 
leave her here for two months while we figure out how to contact her family and then get them down here because it's a long process. It is 18 something something. Um, or you could just go to that town your fucking self and uh, not involve us. And Tom Hanks is like, shit, shit. <laughs> two months, that's so long. And then he takes the girl himself. Um, she doesn't speak English. She speaks uh, Kiowan or Kiowan, however you pronounce the native tribe that had picked her up. Uh, and it's really like a buddy cop movie after that, as it's like, I don't speak your language and you don't speak my language, but we got to get ourselves to San Antonio. Um, it's awful. It's so fucking stupid. It's Tom Hanks just saying words to a woman, uh, like a 13-year-old girl or 11-year-old girl who like doesn't understand it and also hates him. And it's like a mild coming-of-age story for her or a reintegration story for her. Um, into society that that should be, and Tom Hanks just like coming to terms with his wife's death. I guess it, it it's it's just boring. It's so boring. Uh, look, Tom Hanks, I think is is fine in this. Um, the the girl, I got I got to admit, um, I didn't give a shit. Uh, she did fine. I, my my complaint more so is that uh. God damn it, I'm, I don't care about the white blonde girl getting saved by the white man in the South in the 1800s. That just doesn't feel like a story that needs telling, just because we have so many of them like that. Um, she does assist Tom Hanks in some key moments. You know, so it's not just, hey, look at me, I'm I'm Tom Hanks, I'm the white guy saving the day. But at the same time, like, again, True Grit does that already. And there are other Western films that do that already. And this film just doesn't bring anything new and exciting to the table. It'd be a more interesting movie if they started off with the black guy who ended up getting lynched. Because at least you could make a statement about the racial, racial discord at that time in a post-Civil War South. But, it, I mean... This movie's just nothing. And it didn't, it, honestly, even if it wasn't about uh, something as as harsh as race, even if it was about more so learning about the, the, the Native American experience and, you know, their culture, that's not even really a fucking part of this. Uh, there's some brief mentions of some rituals uh, and, and things to be noticed within the girl's behavior and, and appearance that, that have some Native aspects to it. But, like, that's, that, that, that's fucking it. I, I, I mean, this movie is white as snow, and it doesn't try to be anything else, and when it comes to westerns, that's all they are. You gotta bring something else to the table. Westerns are one of the oldest types of films. We have so many westerns, going back literally almost a hundred years. And that's my problem with seeing something so white and whitewashed as this, is I'm not saying, like, down with whitey, although, <laughs> down with whitey. Um, my problem with it really is, like, this it's an oversaturated conversation within the genre, and it's tough to do that continuously without introducing different elements or storylines or topics or concepts that are going to contribute in some additional type of way. Because how many times can you see some version of the same guy doing the same thing over and over and over again. And that's why, you know, I've, I've said on this podcast a few times, that's why it's stuff like telling a white 
person's story from a white person's perspective gets tiring. It's not so much about like, like obviously we need more black voices. We need more Asian voices. We need all types of voices in film because it's important to have representation. It's also important for storytelling because telling the same story 9,000 times is fucking boring. As a consumer, it is more interesting for me to see stories told from different perspectives because it means I'm not going to be having that same experience necessarily from the perspective that I usually view these films from. That is value. That is entertaining. Imagine every single Marvel movie told from the perspective of Iron Man. No matter how much you love Iron Man, it's going to get old. And that's this with this movie. It, it It's just not an interesting plot. It's not an interesting story. None of these characters are remotely interesting. Um, uh, it's a romp. I'll give it that. But, man, it, it's just not a movie you're ever going to need to watch. Um, Corwin's take on it was... Uh, I really like Tom Hanks and the girl. Their connection felt gen- genuine and visually really looked great. Felt about what I expected. Uh, to Corwin's point, yeah, the visuals in this are wonderful. Definitely deserve the nomination it got. Usually a lot of these um, like Western or like broader shot, you know, landscape type films will get an additional extra look just based on the fact that you don't get too much of those. So when they come up, it's, it's, a, it's a different art form to, to get landscape uh, cinematography or photography because of the lighting and the gear and focus and the framing is much less given to you and you have to kind of fight for it. Um, in addition to just finding things that are appealing and gripping, but not so distracting that they're going to become focused um within the context of the outdoors. It, it, it's challenging. Um, but this film did, did all of that and actually the individual like resolution, um, the way that they played with color and the, the, the way that they played with angle types, like the, the cinematographer did a phenomenal job. Um, not so good that it's worth, you know, watching this movie, but he did a great job. So uh, we'll talk probably more about that as we talk about the Oscars. But... Um, that's all I have to say about this. This is a fucking one and a half. I'm going straight one and a half today. This was not fun. I did not enjoy this. Please do not watch either of these two movies. That is your takeaway from this week. They are both one and a half. Oh my God, I hate it. I will say I am a fan of Westerns. I'm a huge fan of Westerns. My problem with this, just to put a bow on it, is that my dad is a huge fan of Westerns, which means I have seen... Every Western you would think to watch as a person trying to get into Westerns at least a dozen times. All of them. All of them. My my dad had the John Ford, John Wayne box set when I was a kid. I've seen every John Wayne movie worth watching at least three times. I've seen every Western worth watching more. I've seen them all. I need something different out of my Western movies because I have seen them. And this is just another Western. Um, but anyway, sorry, that's my gripe. So that's really it for this week's show. The only other thing we have to do is to pick next week's watches. So we're going to keep it going. Uh, actually, now we're getting into the only remaining Best Picture nominees we have to watch. Um, so 
will be let's let's call next week uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is not only for Best Picture, it's a Best Lead Actor and a Best Lead Actress vehicle. Um, this is the this is the final, I believe, final <clears throat> film for Chadwick Boseman. So this this is going to be a challenging watch um, in a lot of ways. This uh, is available on Netflix if you feel like watching uh, ahead of time if you haven't seen it already. So that's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and then the other film we'll be watching for next week will be uh, Promising Young Woman, which is a Best Picture nominee. Um, it is nominated for quite a bit. The ones that I have written down here... Actually, let me just go into its page, make sure I'm not shortchanging it on anything. Uh, likewise with Ma Rainey. Um, it is... Uh, it's not streaming anywhere. Uh, Promising Young Woman. It is available on um, Amazon and YouTube for like six bucks. So that's one way to watch it if you don't feel like... <laughs> um, yeah, so it is nominated for five... Oscars, as is My Rain's Black Bottom. I actually, uh, we only had two written down. Um, we'll, we'll get to the other ones, but um, the other names. But for My Rain's Black Bottom, it's uh, actor and actress, production design, makeup and hairstyling, and costume design. For a Promising Young Woman, it is picture, best picture of the year, best performance by an actress in a leading role, best achievement in film directing, original screenplay, and film editing. So uh, 10 Oscars between the two next week's picks. Make sure you check them out before the show. And that is it. So if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Big Screen Juice. We never post from there, but you can certainly follow. If you want to follow Corwin, you can do so at Corwin Heller. If you want to follow me, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. Appreciate y'all tuning in tonight. Have a good one. And until next Tuesday, y'all be good. Bye. What?